This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Hi, this is CM Darth, Cool Movies Darth, Russ Stevens, what have you, and I'm just uh, thought of something that I better just use as the content warning for 90 for Chill, the podcast. We're going to actually be pretty clean this episode i will say though that i do regret that i kind of screwed up chloe Zhao's name when we're getting into a discussion about how there's a lack of auteurs and they seem to all get absorbed by disney which i know this is something the poetic critic that's the poetic critic on letterboxd has always had an issue with and yeah i mean we're paying homage to john carpenter who's definitely been an auteur you know what? It's just kind of glad, I think, that... Well, it's a catch-22. He's retired, essentially. But I'd love to see him come back for one more go. So, But with that said, um, hopefully I'll have the energy to edit this. Otherwise, if not, there will be one F-bomb. We'll find out when the show goes. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. You can follow what I'm watching on Letterboxd. The username is CMDarth. If you're trying to access this podcast via an Amazon Echo or a Google Nest, just ask your device for Podcast by Russ Stevens. That's probably the easiest way to find the show. If you need to fill your entire household with the charismatic tones of Russ Stevens. This is a pretty ambitious episode, I would say. It just kind of really came together. The guest, and I don't know if I really emphasize that S in guest. Now I'm just thinking I sound like Cobra Commander. I digress. So, what happened on Twitter? I basically said, okay, I haven't hooked anything up for August 30th yet. Threw out a bunch of movie suggestions. One of them being Big Trouble in Little China, which George from the Not a Strong Start podcast, a fun observational podcast about entertainment through the eyes of aspiring filmmakers. They're doing more than me, at least they're aspiring. They've got credits. <laughs> Let's put it that when it comes to our filmmaking. We let in some secrets of Main Event of the Dead out on this podcast. His response to that tweet was showing thunder from the three storms about to explode himself i just said all right how do we get this done and another person enjoying the conversation the thread was andrew td you may remember him from the caddyshack slash well it was a bill murray themed one caddyshack meatballs and we talk a lot about ghostbusters Again, I will work with anybody with any movie. I'll figure a way that we can talk about it, quote unquote, indirectly. I just uh, arranged the Zoom meeting time with George and just said, okay, I got this all set up to uh, Andrew. And he decided to jump in on the conversation. 
This goes a lot of fun, and I think we keep it pretty concise, which is a good thing, because I don't think these two-part episodes are really drawing as well as I'd like. We're going to keep that movie in my peripheral when I do these recordings, so we know when to call it quits. If I'm promoting movies that are under 100 minutes, I better try to follow the same rules, I suppose. So that's what's lined up. We, uh, As I say, we talk a little about filmmaking. We talk a lot about uh, John Carpenter's career altogether, have some great observations, and we really kind of try to imagine our remake of Big Trouble in Little China. So as I say, I had a lot of fun with this. This is the most ambitious episode I think we had. Basically, I know we did the multiple guests with the Doom podcast, but... You know, kids gone wild, and, you know, one guy just wanted to be on the show. Cool guy, nonetheless. But you kind of have to watch the movie, be aware of the movie, to be a great guest. With that said, if you want to be on the podcast, send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Offer me, preferably content under 100 minutes be it a movie a theme a director an actor again i'll work with you though if you got something that just runs a little long we will arrange a time to create some podcast fried gold if you want to help out the podcast rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps five stars preferably i do reciprocate those reviews at least the numbers wise I might be a little honest, but hey, I'm a critic, probably more than I am a filmmaker. If you see a review by The Scoop Staley, that's me. Send one back, please. Thank you for all of preamp putting up with all the preamble, and we will get on to the show. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here. And a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where Big Trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! They told him to go to hell. He make one move. And that's just where he's going. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. There are many mysteries, many unanswerable questions, even in a life as short as yours. My destiny rests in your capable hands. Hey, I'll do my best. Take 
may be trapped. Total concentration. Safety. Oh, yeah. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Way to go, Jack. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? 20th Century Fox presents Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. It's on the reflexes. You guys can call me George. Uh, sorry. sorry, what would you like to be called? <laughs> I'll say going forward, you guys can call me George. George, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean... I took a couple of years of Spanish. I, I, I figured as much. My, my mom calls me George. I'm just used to it. Uh, okay. If you use it enough, I'd be like, who's that guy? Oh, <laughs> All right. Who's George? I don't know that guy. <laughs> okay. So we got the ground rules laid out then. Um, so we have uh, the first person to really jump in on, um, of course, this is 90 for Chill, the podcast, where we focus on movies of the ideal runtime of just under a hundred minutes, really. Um, you know, have had this stretch the rules quite a bit. Like, all right, got to do. Earth Girls are easy for the big sister, and um, Ghostbusters ended up only being forty-five seconds too long. When I, if you cut the credits out, so um, we did an episode with one of my guests. So that would be Andrew TD of. Uh, I know his Twitter handles. I uh, haven't been on the TikTok in a while. Sorry. Uh, but he's responsible for Couchman Bakes. And um, I know his other Twitter handle is at the Class Squatch. Yeah, that, that's my comedy one, but I have more fun with the other one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I've, gosh, I sit on as many, I squat on as many clever ones I can come up with. You know, uh, obviously, for the show, I mean, I have at 90 for chill. <laughs> um but also the original like i was the first to get to rust the bus and then at cat bus rust is what i usually use now so and um my other guest who as i said was the one who uh jumped in with the gif response um to the uh tweet i sent out asking for guest uh with our i guess that would thunder who had the ability to inflate himself yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's right so um yeah uh that would be uh george from the not a strong uh start podcast and another uh movie podcast a lot of fun with his two uh friends and you know i was like intrigued especially because like oh filmmakers all right i'm the i'm the guy who's struggling to get my b zombie movie made so (laughs) gotta get it we get the struggle for sure oh yeah yeah (laughs) so that's our lineup, and as I said, we're doing two carpenters in a row. Um, and then I gotta record Fritz the Cat tonight. Uh, no, I gotta watch it tonight to record it tomorrow with uh, Gregory Carl um, from the They Live episodes. And um, yeah, so oh shoot, gotta turn on the other computer. So I got my notes. Guy who works in an electronics store. This is definitely a Jerry rigged. <laughs> situation okay, i gotta course. say I, I love how chill andrew looks right now 
Well, yeah. I, 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 I saw his tweet about an hour ago, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. So, um, uh, let's, uh, you know, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, probably the second biggest, well, second biggest flop for John Carpenter. I mean, obviously the thing is the number one. Um, but I think this is probably like if you're going to show anybody a John Carpenter movie, you don't show them Halloween. You don't show them the thing. This pretty much is a summation of everything that uh, John Carpenter represents. Yeah, yeah it's pretty about. I totally one. agree. Yeah, yeah. Agree. So there was a. I listened to a, a podcast called Screen Drafts, and uh, there was a infamous uh, John Carpenter pot uh, ranking. So they pick the top seven movies of a certain genre director what have you and a lot of controversy because escape from new york and the thing were left off wow that's for me yeah number one was uh big trouble in little china though so i think it kind of says everything right um so i mean i think halloween they live um oh assault on precinct 13 made it so i guess that kind of makes up for the okay. uh escape from new york one please uh, tell me vampires did not make the list vampires did not make the list okay or ghost from mars i, I will <laughs> i will stand for ghost from mars uh, actually um that was like the only only carpenter movie that i saw first run in a cinema um and it could have been, I think, a totally different thing if, uh, or at least more Jean Carpenter if the original um, person to play Natasha Hensridge's character uh, actually was available to shoot. I think she got injured somewhere. Um, her getting randomly injured, Courtney Love? No. But that was back when she was like the actress for like a brief second with the. Uh, um, the people versus Larry Flint and then yeah. um, man of the moon. So, which, you know, I take her or leave her in man of the moon, but I'll give her Larry Flint. That was a, I think almost under almost forgotten movie by this point, actually. So let me get those docs up, get the notes. So, yep. Um, yeah. So they live, it was uh I mean, yeah, I can't really say none, any of them were definitely ones we just mentioned. Like, oh, please say that didn't make the list. Yeah. Um, In the Mouth of Madness is the only one I really haven't gotten around to seeing uh, when it comes down to it. So I think that does say uh, Prince of Darkness made the list, too. So. Uh, oh, right. No, I don't want messages. Uh. Can't help but feel if this list was made back in the 80s, it'd be a totally different list altogether. Oh, well, I mean... Yeah. Let's see. We're like that makes me think of his '90s, and you, really, you had like Village of the Dam, uh, Escape from L.A., uh, Memoirs of the Invisible Man. His yeah, In the Mouth of Madness is probably his best '90s movies. I think reputation wise. Uh, there we go. And, um, recent documents. There we go. So. But, you know, as as everybody says, this is probably... Oh, Starman, of course, made the list. 
Um, but I, I can't say I've seen a John Carpenter movie I haven't liked. I mean, Vampires is just silly and overblown. I think that it actually speaks to um, John Carpenter's limitations as a director. I mean, if you if you watch the the action in his movies, you know he's just got the camera there. It's very and I, I've compared it recently to Kevin Smith style. <laughs> like, put the camera there. I know what I want in the frame. And what do you mean, cut? <laughs> I just. Well, that and he had, he had the unenviable task of trying to contain James Woods. Oh, I'm not talking just about vampires, but honestly, yeah. a lot of the, like the massacre scene where all of our favorite uh, cameos pretty yes. much get wiped out. I think there's you know, Carrie Hiroyuki Fukawa is just yeah. cut in half. And um, honestly, it's like the last fun James Woods that we ever got. So. Mm. I mean, and uh, I mean, I guess no, no, that would definitely be the last fun James Woods before he went off the deep end. We just didn't want to acknowledge it. Possibly Hercules. I don't remember which came out first. Uh, which? Oh, how about Hercules? Oh, <laughs> uh, I just can't really think of anything after ninety action. ninety after ninety eight. Like, um, oh, Hercules. I, for a second there, I thought. Oh gosh, that sounds like he'd pop up in one of those bad Hercules movies that came out in the uh, the uh, late noughties uh, with Dwayne Johnson or what? I think it was the other oh, one. I uh, can't. Karen Kellen Lutz. Kellen Lutz, yeah. and definitely. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if he ended up in the uh, Johnny Nitro slash Impact slash Mundo slash Elite Hercules movie. But I'll I'll stand by. Uh, johnny john hennigan's um b movie he did on his own which was a uh, boone the bounty hunter yeah but, yeah that was fun but uh but let's see so i mean as i, as I say like when you watch it, basically directing any kind of action it's pretty much the action almost always comes off screen and then you just see the result especially in a big trouble in little china when it, when you see the first fight between the uh the uh cheng sing and the wing kong it's always like a shot from behind who's ever going to get punched in the face <laughs> and uh honestly i and you see that definitely in ghost of mars which like eh, clay devolves shooting and then her head comes off so um i mean it works great for horror for a uh, carpenter i mean especially when you have somebody like Michael Myers, who's the only real movement in it, in a scene. Um, I think that speaks a lot to like, when you don't have an action director tagging along, like someone who understands spike choreography and all those. Oh yeah. Yep. So they, of course then, you know, I'm crapping on him, but then again, he directed the greatest fight scene in all of cinema. Piper, (laughs) Piper versus Keith David. So, um, so yeah. So, and, 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 you know, not the, not to hold it against Carpenter, because I said, this is a classic. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the best 80s movies. I'll I'll go and throw that out there. Uh, But I I guess it comes back to uh, Carpenter knows what is very protective of his stories. So he's the only guy who can do like, again, bringing back to Kevin Smith. It's like, 
yeah, they're not great directors, but they give you such a great story. You just want to see that. And the director just serves as the guide. So yeah, he definitely has a vision. Yes. Right. Exactly. So, but uh, Big Trouble in Little China, it's a movie, if you haven't seen it, what the hell? <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Right, right. Um, <laughs> You've only had like 36 years. What's wrong with y'all? Right, right. Uh, I would say like, when I, um, but it was a bomb in 86. Um, I think Carpenter's probably most profitable movie. I think maybe it may have ended up being vampires. I know that uh, they lived did open at number one for its weekend, but it's just the diff- the blockbuster stuff and you know what have you. Uh, Carpenter was not never going to make a blockbuster, and I think I think you would say vampires the closest thing he ever did to that format. Um, but so it's the story of Jack Burton the guy who drives the pork chop express uh visiting his friend wang in chinatown and then gets stuck in a ancient chinese conspiracy uh dealing haven't haven't we all been there you know you're drinking with your buddies gambling one night next thing you know you're fighting an ancient chinese demigod Oh, I've I've had enough fights <laughs> with <laughs> with uh, uh crazy girls. I mean, that's but uh, that's that's standard for our area. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a oh yeah Midwest. I mean, what else is there to do? <laughs> um, so I'll yeah, tipping crazy chicks. Hmm. Yeah, as long as you don't mix them, I think you're all right. Mm-hmm. At the same, I mean, mix the two things at the same time. Right, right. No, you you want a girl who's ready, ready to tip a cow. Well, yeah, you just don't want them to be crazy when they're right. They don't want her to tip if, you. You'd... Right. Right. If, if a girl can tip a cow, that's the kind you bring home to stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I do that. I like. Uh, there was a, I was um, harassed once at work. Like you know, oh, and a ranch sauce at this place. And it's like, eh, I don't like ranch. Are you even from the Midwest? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I. So my dad, my dad's from Buffalo, New York. Like, we didn't. They invented as they they invented buffalo wings. They didn't think of how to make it palatable. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So basically, Jack Burton. You know what the hell, as he would say. He's gonna help his best his best friend get his girlfriend from the demon slash entrepreneur uh, David Lopan, who is cursed to live as an old man and is basically looking for a wife with green eyes to marry and sacrifice to get his flesh back. Turns out to be a bad idea for him. <laughs> But, you know, when you're facing the most incompetent action hero, I think, in all of cinema, until you get uh, until you get uh, Key and Peele and Keanu. I would argue that him and uh, Snake Plissken is probably the worst action hero and that Jack Burton was more substantial than he was. Only because that argument, because Jack Burton actually does some things that actually help, like he actually 
kills Lil Pan. Uh, while, well, you know, even though it's it's a cheap kill, he still kills him. While you look at Escape from New York, he doesn't actually do anything. He's always just lucky that things happen. Right, but well, you can at least trust him with a um, submachine to use a submachine gun correctly. Just because he knocked sure. himself out with it doesn't mean <laughs> that he's not a competent action hero. Yeah, well, he but then it goes back. He was going to get knocked out. Yeah, but then it, then you had the <laughs> entire bit where, where you know, yeah, he knocks himself out shooting a concrete ceiling. And then, but, you know, the first time he ever got a hold of a, the submachine gun. <laughs> safety. The safety zone. <laughs> <laughs> And you, and you know that Jack Burton is just full of shit. <laughs> like, well, first time you ever love, plugged, first time you plugged a guy. <laughs> well, I, I love how in uh, the special features for the Blu-ray, Carpenter and uh, Kurt Russell even say like, "This is a movie told from the sidekick's point of view." When the main hero is actually, actually Wang, yes, yeah, Buddy Wang, mm. but we're just telling it from the view of the marketable action star. Yeah. Yeah, no, dead on there. Um, I have yet to really watch this. Like, I buy so many Blu-rays. Like, I probably would be stuck with VHS for, you know, ever if I wasn't for looking for special features that, like, so many of my video games. I mean, I've got at least nine systems to my main TV. And, oh, yeah, I'm, there's got to be at least ten games I've never even gotten around to playing for each of them that I own. Um, but I have it. I don't want, you know, I might need this. Um, digital hoarding is probably going to end up being worse than physical hoarding. Um, so there's, um, but I'm just saying with, with Snake, no, Snake doesn't really want to do anything anyhow, though. Like, if he didn't get tricked into the, to getting um, the explosives put into his neck in the first movie. Yeah. He wouldn't have done anything. Well, he would have... That doesn't that doesn't make him an incompetent action hero. That just makes him a lazy one. Uh no, that's that's fair. Yeah. So um, now, now that we're talking about Snake Escape from LA, like that's fun camp. But I think, oh, it, yeah. I think it kind of misses the grindhouse feel though of the original. Um I don't think until uh, Rodriguez and Tarantino came out with Grindhouse did anybody try to capture that you know just go to the cheap like we want to make it look cheap and gritty yeah but they they, they knew exactly what they're doing they wanted to pay homage to those those films right and there's been a lot of good grindhouse-esque movies since the grindhouse but again the grindhouse was a bomb well but if you were lucky enough to go see that in a theater i was yeah oh god the trailers the double feature feel of it Mm. it was so good yeah all right so oh i'm i got the movie playing playing uh in my peripheral right now just so i can definitely get an out at some point okay now we're (laughs) they're starting this thing big trouble in little china which i just watched the music video for it for like for a second there i thought well is that carpenter doing the the main and it is but, yeah the low voice that's him yeah yeah but the high voice i thought like i can see carpenter doing that and i just associate kurt russell since he played elvis like yeah. surely he's gonna go and do something like that also directed by carpenter yeah oh yeah it, that, that I, was the first flick they ever worked on together yeah. right 
Yep, just before uh, what I think it was used cars was the first movie that uh, Kurt Russell really got to become Kurt Russell. Uh, he was still the Disney kid. Yeah, another another Kurt Russell. And plot, that, and going from Disney movies to used car was like Elizabeth Berkeley going from Saved by, Saved the, by the Bell, Bell to, to Showgirls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which I don't know. Really, was it that big of a jump? I mean, you got Michael McKeon and. Well, that, that, I mean, going from doing Disney movies well, for the better part of 15, 20 years to, you know, nudity, very vulgar language, very uh, trash, okay. very sexist. Yeah. It was a big it was a big departure from, you know, the Fox and the Hound. Well, the Fox <laughs> and the Hound was after um, used cars. True. That was his return to Disney. Yeah. yeah. And I guess then it's Sky High. Um, and then, yeah, did, yeah, there was that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've heard good things about it. I've never watched it. Uh, it, it it's a good, it's a decent family movie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. For a family, right. it's entertaining. Yeah. yeah, and then um, I mean, honestly though, he's like Tarantino's kind of shaped him into the new Western hero. I think at least with uh, Django, and um, then you'd go then not Django. I'm sorry, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. And the but then. You know, Bone Tomahawk was the same year, so I guess you can't really say. Well, um, he, he had already had an affinity for Western. Oh, you know, he'd done, he had Tombstone. Tombstone. Yeah. So, even even this movie of Big Trouble in China, they kind of talk about it. Oh, their, their yeah. Of like how this was meant to be a to be a Western. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. If you take this same setting and put it in like 1880s San Francisco Chinatown, it would work. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like who has my horse? I gotta get my horse back. <laughs> right, yeah, okay. yeah. Re- replace Peterbilt with or Freightliner, yeah. whichever one it was. It was a Freightliner. With, you know, <laughs> I with, worked at a truck know, stop Appaloosa. for six years, so it's <laughs> you got to get your you got to get your uh, vehicle straight in front of the get the truck drivers. Uh, still better to deal with them than college kids. But, oh, word. Yeah. Um, I mean they're little more desperate though um i mean i i don't know how many times i got calls like okay so are you gay bye (laughs) like okay so you notice we don't have lot listeners i suppose (laughs) but um so i do find it interesting this movie does open with um the conclusion first you know well that that was another thing going back to the whole you know, Kurt Russell being the sidekick, they, the execs wanted Carpenter to add that scene in to make Jack look like more of the hero. If you listen to Victor okay. Wong's speech, he's like, mm. you know, he's a hero. We are in great debt to him. Yeah. Which... It, it's basically saying that like, ignore the next 90 minutes. Mm. Yeah. I didn't think about it like that. That's why I br- documented it and brought it up. Yeah, uh, a lot of meetings with the execs where they're just like, "Oh, I mean, uh, my I told my anything heroic at all in this whole movie." <laughs> well, I told yeah. my told my coworker uh, we were both leaving at the same time today, and he's been meaning to get on the show and like oh, we're doing big trouble in Little China. Ah, oh. and then then uh, yeah, I walk him back and he says, "Oh, you know, Kim Cattrall. They didn't want Kim Cattrall. They wanted some rock star to play Gracie Law." Because they didn't want, like, no, she's just a bimbo. She's lassie. I mean. <laughs> so To be fair, most of us owe our puberty to that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, 
one ages us. And <laughs> I, I remember being five years old and watching Porky's with my dad. Oh, and I'm just like, that's a woman right there. <laughs> that, that, you, you, your father raised you right. No. I know nothing else. I know that much. Well, my 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 parents followed the MPAA until I, um, I think it was Batman, and we talked about it in the um, uh, Caddyshack, the technically the Caddyshack, um, and uh, Meatballs episode that my parents pretty much not until 1989 was like when Batman came out, my mom said, you know, screw the, screw it. I'm taking my kids to see a PG 13 rated movie. I could, I can remember being five and my dad bringing home this tape called Barbarella. <laughs> well, yeah. and watching the first, the opening credits. And it's Barbarella. a striptease. Yeah. Five-year-old me that I did not know about. Uh, that, that happened with, uh, it, the MPAA was a lot weirder then. Like, well, yeah. I mean, you know, you didn't get your first PG 13 movie till after, what gremlins yeah gremlins in temple of doom yeah Yeah. thank you steven spielberg (laughs) (laughs) like um yeah it was um so needless to say i wasn't going to see big trouble in 1986 um i'm being six years old at that time um and i didn't really hear about big trouble in little china until i was about fifth grade or so um let's see that's funny because i'm i'm i was four when the movie came out and I can remember it being on Showtime, like my last day of kindergarten. Well, we were HBO people, so okay, okay. Yeah, I mean there there was some tribalism, which I never understood. Like neither, back neither in the, the day, yeah, it, it was a big deal. Like which which movie provider service you had in yeah. your cable? I mean, really, the the only difference is the nudie movies on the secondary channel, be it Cinemax oh, or, the, yeah. or the movie channel. Good old Skinamax. Oh yeah, eleven forty-five PM Friday night. Thank you. <laughs> uh, see, my dad, he was all about. He's we call him the the VHS king. He, till this day, he has walls in his house with VHS tapes, DVDs, and he would record everything. Oh, I have an. Uh, we um, the the more I hear about your father, the more I love and want to meet this man. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I, I, I make people sound better than they are, I guess. Oh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, that's what you want to do on the podcast. It's like <laughs> I found uh, setting up my um, another Twitter account and like they said, oh, give me your phone number to do it. And it's like, all right. And then they access like the contacts <laughs> on my phone. And then it's like, oh, my uncle in New York and my uh, aunt is a wife and um. I can't, it's tough for me to call her aunt because they didn't get married till I was like 21, 22. And, and then by that point, the uh, patriarch of the family had passed. So there was not a lot of drawback to going to Buffalo. Um, but then it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Do I follow them? And it's like, oh, no, I remember when they found me on Facebook. Like, I don't say things that are, <laughs> it's like, oh, it'd be great to promote the podcast. And then, oh, yeah sketchy yeah well it's just more of like you know i'm just being on it i'm just being honest and open and it's like oh yeah mom's not gonna want (laughs) mom and dad i have enough problem you know borrowing money from them to begin with but i need that source (laughs) (laughs) um so but when you bring up gremlins it was kind of like well isn't there always trouble in chinatown Ah, I've been bringing it back. I see. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> true. It's so true. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I, I've been to Chicago's Chinatown a few times, but I can't yeah. say can't say anything too too sketchy. So yeah, no one tried to sell me a Mogwai up in Chicago. No, well, I I did it once. Like the first time I went to Chinatown, it was a um, for a uh, Chinese New Year, and it was what net it was at zero degrees the entire time. That's of course the that's of course the thermometer. Yeah, being in Chicago, Chicago. the wind, yeah, wind chill negative a billion. Yeah, Yeah. so surprised I was still had the girlfriend after that trip. So, (laughs) (laughs) like, oh, why didn't we go to like some? Well, I was studying Mandarin at the time, so Um, get a woman cold. That that's pretty much all she wrote, folks. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, didn't even think about it that because so. Um, I mean, my girlfriend would love doing podcasts in 80 degree rooms, I guess. <laughs> my ex-girl, my most recent ex. Um, so, and um, something that surprises me, though, as I, I mean, I know Dennis Dune is technically the supporter. I mean, as you said, we're telling the story of the sidekick, but it's his story. Um, but he had a hell of a 1985 to 1987. Like I'm surprised he wasn't. I mean, the the mid '80s were decent to him. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised. Like you couldn't spin that. I mean, what does BD Wong have that he doesn't? (laughs) Like, go don't don't get me wrong. Love love me some BD Wong. Um, BD Wong's my favorite part of the Law and Order drinking game. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. I have not played that one. Oh, don't don't do it. Alcohol poisoning (laughs) abound. Um, there's a movie that I gotta rewatch, and I watch pretty often, so I don't know why I haven't taken the time to. Does the movie end? Does this narrative end before the credits, so I can go and bend the rules of the show? Um, Men of War, like, uh, Dolph Lundgren movie, uh, 1994, I think it was. Uh, yeah, because I, th- I think that was after Universal Soldier. Yeah, uh, Kano is the guy who plays Kano. Call in. Uh, something like he only really had Kano. <laughs> um, I get he gets well, like, he gets I think half digested in deep, um, deep rising. Um, the movie that was setting us up for the mummy for his trilogy, <laughs> I think that's Scott Summers or something like that. Not Scott, no, it's that's Cyclops. Cyclops? <laughs> I say no, 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 Ruby Quartz sunglasses on set. Thank you. <laughs> Um. Yeah, so it's like I don't know. He had hell of a run. I mean, he had Year of the Dragon in '85 with um, uh, shoot, Mickey Rourke. Um, when Mickey Rourke was at his peak, was the man. Yeah. Um, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, obviously, and then the Last Emperor. You know, a Best Picture winner. <laughs> it's like, and he'll get a TV TV um guest spot every now and then it's like i don't know maybe needed al pacino from uh uh once upon a time in hollywood to you know tell him (laughs) give him the uh italy speech and like oh gosh go to go to hong kong (laughs) (laughs) um and then uh you know talking about the action again i got noted the very eclectic firearm selection it, it it's like they yeah 
it, it's like it's like something you, you you'd imagine it'd be like an Ed Wood movie where they're stealing the monster. They just break into a soundstage, grab whatever guns were laying around. Whatever you put in the back, take it. There's that theory, or maybe we just go with this is whatever these dudes could get. You know, they're they're resourceful dudes, so this is their their arsenal. They all don't need you know the latest AK. Like he's got one that's good enough. Yeah, but then a Tommy gun right like is shown right after that guy. Definitely was used for so long, sir. It definitely felt like like everyone had a unique gun. It's so true. Yeah. You didn't see the same gun twice, really. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even... You know, it wasn't a simple gun. Like, you didn't see a guy with, like, a 38 snub nose. Mm-hmm. You saw a guy with the 44 Mag Dirty Harry. Yeah. Yes. Make you feel like Dirty Harry. <laughs> yeah. And even, like, when Egg Shen has his projectile moment, he mm-hmm. has a freaking, like, it looked like a pipe bomb with a crystal. Yeah. yeah a bazooka, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I already covered that. Uh, I think this does have the best rule of all um, action movies. I think we should all follow is that cops have better things to do than to get killed. Yes. <laughs> and let, let, since you brought that up, let's talk about that for a second. Can we safely say that Jack Burton might be one of the most like quotable movie characters oh, of the 80s? Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. that, that opening scene in the semi alone as a guy who was raised by truckers and has worked in many truck stops, you know how many times I've heard those speeches on the CBs at two in the morning. <laughs> oh, I see. I was, uh, by the time, you know, turn of the century, turn of the century, like everybody was like, no, I'm not buying a radio. I got a cell phone. So <laughs> that was, uh, so I, I missed that element. Oh gosh. Of the uh, trucking industry. But yeah, he, like I said, he he he's got some of the best one-liners, you know, all on the reflexes. Is the checks, the, the checks the check in, the is in the mail. Rock the pillars ahead. Yeah, another one. No, I I noted a bunch of them. Like, uh, yeah, I remember being young. Like, I wanted to emulate him. The bravado oh. ad. It's like I want to be that guy. That's who yeah. I want. I might not always win, but I don't yeah. care. I'm gonna feel like a winner but, every day. And, and I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the the last word. I'm gonna have that yes. one liner that everyone's gonna remember. Yeah. Um and an epic mullet. Oh I guess that the question is Riggs or or Kurt Russell. Burton. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ooh. It's tough. It's That's- funny you mentioned that because just the other day I was very um elevated. And um, for some reason, I was picturing a lot of the scenes from the first Lethal Weapon, but I was replacing Mel Gibson in my mind with Kurt Russell, and it worked. Oh, I no, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's funny, though. Like, uh, my uh, B-movie zombie screenplay that, uh, like, I was writing, like, indep- independent wrestling, you know, stories about my wrestling as scripts, and then I went to a bunch of b-movie double features i am saying b-movie is very polite these are no budget movies and it's like well shit i got enough friends i i in the wrestling business <laughs> like i'll write my zombie movie and we'll do it that way and like i wanted the page homage there to uh, uh tarantino so it's like okay i gotta open the movie with a just this people sitting around a table bullshitting so it's not like it's not like a virgin uh, I don't think you know, but it's um, basically 
uh, the character based more off me would be going off about no Jeff Bridges, Kurt Russell, interchangeable. Like as a kid, like as a kid, like I couldn't really tell you the difference between the two. Um, you know, I wouldn't say because again, I couldn't really watch drama uh, dramas and as a kid, um, all the good ones were rated R. <laughs> like so, I I didn't see you know um, against all odds bringing it back to james woods um so it's like you know no look at it like they both did movies in texas like uh you know and somebody's arguing you can't replace uh wyatt earp with uh no rooster (laughs) rooster cogburn like i think you'd do that but um yeah and then then it it all kind of concludes with somehow referencing freaking um three amigos is that scene <laughs> which like oh great now can't make this movie just because you got to pay for the rights to uh my little buttercup <laughs> um yeah but no D- kurt russell definitely has more of a hollywood appeal um i guess than jeff bridges bridges uh well then again, like we're just doing this movie though. I can't No, I I will that, give that you humility, that humility the humility that you have to have to be Jack Burton. Um there's not well, many actors I feel who could pull that off. Well, that's well like, I think Flynn Flynn from Tron is not that <laughs> that far removed from Curtis I mean I can see the parallels. There's a, yeah, for sure, but there's a, there's a genius to him too though. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean let's face it, love Jack Burton, dude's a meathead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you were talking about who else could play that character. I don't know if this is still happening, but there was a thing a couple of years ago. Saying the, the, the Rock is the, the Rock big one. The Rock was yeah, going to do yeah. a remake. Which uh, we talked about it, I think, in the first part of the They Live conversation um, about just, you know, Roddy Piper being, well, there you go. There's the answer. I think Roddy could play Roddy Jack Byrne. He, he could have, yeah, he could have pulled Okay. Like, there's our guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I uh, feel feel he, bad he, for for Roddy because like he kills it and they live. And you know he he wrote most of his own one line. Yeah, he was just doing the wrestling promo thing. Could you mm-hmm. imagine the Jack Burton one liners delivered and written by Piper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, oh, I mean the trick, but I mean that's Carpenter knew how to let a wrestler be a wrestler, and I think that's right. the thing that it took Hollywood. 20 years to actually make it so Dwayne Johnson is doing good movies. Yeah. He, yeah, I mean, he, he makes a butt ton of money for all the studios he works with, but yeah, yeah. That, that's the key phrase. Like, are the movies good though? Right. You're right. Um, I mean, I'd the only... say that he's good in them. Like, yeah. I'm so you... a fan of him. Like, he, he definitely knows what he's doing with himself like right yeah i'll give you that like you know his first you know not counting like mummy returns when he did when he did um Uh, the rundown hall in the rundown yeah i thought he was good in those two movies yeah Yeah. well it's it's like how they didn't know how to do anything with john cena until um train wreck exactly yeah like you know they they, they tried to make him an action star which he looks like one and he did okay in bumblebee but he was also being funny which Mm. is one of his strong suits let him be funny Right, that's why you're not going to see Roman Reigns make that crossover. But 
Uh, that's another conversation that I just don't know if I have the strength no. or, or no, 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 no. This isn't a wrestling podcast. Yeah. Uh, Gregory Carl Keaton Carl does have one, and it's like, uh, yeah, most so it can turn into that. A lot of me talk, telling old stories and sh- wishing Schadenfreude. Oh, well, enjoying Schadenfreude <laughs> to guys who stubbed me back in the day. Um, so let's see, but um. When we talk about one-liners, though, David Lopant, I mean, I don't know how you can not love the guy. Uh, like, like, he's... You'd, and you'd expect somebody who's lived for 2,000 years to be... Be a quippy. Yeah. yeah. That is pissing me off to no end. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, James Hong, I mean... Yeah. Uh, just, uh, it sucks that we don't have Victor Wong anymore, but... You know, James Hong showed up in uh, Turning Red, so it's good to... And then never mind Wayne's World 2. He's the reason to see that movie, honestly. Yeah, oh, I could, yes. I, could that, yeah. I wouldn't watch those two films anymore, but I probably would go back to Just for him. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a funny thing with James Wong, I, uh, randomly, one of the great things my dad has handed over to me, uh, we were watching a movie he recorded, and then another movie played right after that, and end up being one of those kind of Skinamax films from like back mm. in the day. And it was James Wong was in it. And he was like this mobster dude who ran this brothel who would get girls. It was called China Girl. Oh, okay. And, and, I, and they sounds were, familiar. Courtesans <laughs> and everything. Yeah. It felt like he still had that low panness about him. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. like, like, what if low pan ran a brothel? And it's just like, he yeah. kind of did. He yeah. Well, yeah. The- I mean, he he had to have been taking something from the White Tiger, um, but uh, and then you think well, about you know, he says flat out the burden. You know, there have been others, but you know, you, you, you know you, the tri- the trials, yeah. the trials and tribulations of women. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the um, and of course, this movie's got my fi- one like. Like the one actor I'm determined I want to meet sometime is Al Leung. Um, he's like the, like he is the face of the um, Wing Kong. He's you know, okay. he show he shows like he's in every Carpenter movie actually if you really look. But I mean, he's probably he, gonna. He was, he was uh, also in Best of the Best, I think, I as have, well. I, I have oh, yeah, not watched that one a long here. time. Uh, I just watched it two weeks ago. No. I think uh, he, he's on the team Korea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Die Hard, though he's the uh, he's the uh, guy who eats the baby Ruth before the cops. Yes, yeah. He, and was, then, he was in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, as the guy torturing Riggs. Yeah, he. Yeah, again, the '80s were very kind to him as well. Well, he's like I looked at his IMDb and it's like, oh yeah, like I was watching a Big Trouble, no, a Showdown in Little Tokyo, one of my favorites. And uh, like, oh, that's Al Young. He's just five, you know. As he's he's gonna be one of the nine guys that uh, Dolph Lundgren kills to to uh, save Tia Carrar. Which, man, this I guess this is just a little too early for her. Like she could have could have definitely seen some green contacts on her. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, I I recently saw like all the advertisements for that movie Easter Sunday, and she's in it. Oh, she still looks good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Let's see, Al Young. You mentioning him makes me. I was rewatching the show, the movie again, just to have a nice snow fresh. Yeah. In my mind, granted, I watch this movie once a year, so now at this point, I've seen it three times this year. So okay. But I'm rewatching it, and that elevator scene after they've taken that the energy juice, yeah, and, uh, and that that one moment, like he just goes to Egg Shen, he like rubs his shoulder, and there's a smile in his face. I was like, is he ready to fight, or is he like, is he yeah, fighting? what's happening? Yeah, so he, he's like, come on, Egg, let's let's cuddle. Yeah, like I think he got ecstasy in his. Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, being be a you know spending um, you know my. Uh, you know, virtually, gosh, you know, 25 years in combat sports, uh, be it professional wrestling or tough man contests. We're talking the old FX show no. um, rules um, and, uh, you know, high school wrestling and stuff. It's like, I don't know, man, you get a good buzz from, like, from a good fight. It's like, <laughs> I, I, you know. Just it's uh, it's all about the relief. It's not really. Oh yeah, but <laughs> nothing, I, I did, nothing personal. <laughs> I did always wonder what was in that jug because you know, soon as soon as you know, Jack asks like, "What is it?" And, you know, first thing out of Egg's mouth, huge buzz. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I think there might be something to your X theory, or you know, they, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the the six demon bag was the uh, was the beverage, and it's like. Yeah. And I immediately went to uh, my uh, drink uh, app. Like, has somebody made a six? The six, <laughs> the six demon bag. bag. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I imagine that there's some something ginger in it. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Keep your tummy all good. After all right. That. With, with it be with it being smoky and green, I, I see absinthe being involved. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I was just thinking about like some kind, you know, maybe some chili powder in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that somebody is selling a, or at least somebody did make a flask, uh, like saying six, you know, like a demon face on it and six, six demon bag written on it. Um, so yeah, I, or I, I or not. or you know, it's good to have it's good to have uh the couchman bakes because like, or it needs to be a can of cannabis hybrid. Oh word, yeah. Um, well, I I do know that there there is a strain called the Three Storms. I know. Uh, that, yeah, uh, I do know about that one. Yeah, I do yeah. know that the the movie has influenced the cannabis industry. Yeah, so. Let's see. Let's see. And seeing all the. Let's see. So we talked about the remake. I think, well, yeah, the remake, it's like if you get somebody who knows how to. Like basically, by this point, I think Dwayne Johnson directs himself. So I, I could see him being entertaining enough. Um, I don't know. Legacy sequel, maybe. Like, I, maybe. Yeah, it's just, it's I, tough. I, I like, it's one of those things I don't think like, you don't want to see tampered with yeah, yeah. I, I know but it's for me a lot of it's just that you know john carpenter's more of just a twitter influencer now it's like <laughs> i want to see him work man i mean yeah he didn't like with i know with halloween ends or i'm sorry halloween kills last year and halloween ends coming up he you know was producer and he did help with the music stuff yeah fun but he really was kind of hands-off yeah um and of course 
you think about Halloween and then you think the Rob Zombie stuff and it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we should <laughs> go back to his properties. <laughs> I mean, like Paul, the, the first time I, we had that, t- I had that talk with Gregory sometime about like the sequel and it's like the Rob Zombie's Halloween. And he said, it's just so crazy. And it's like, well, you're kind of selling it now um, <laughs> because of how bad shit it sounds. I have not seen it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It kind of like you can. I, I kind of enjoy, you know, one Malcolm McDowell. I'm always down for. Um, yeah. So, but um, I did kind of enjoy the idea of finding out about the uh, past of Michael Myers, but but then again, you just want to stop and like, no, you just want to appreciate him being the embodiment of evil with no actual motivations. <laughs> Yeah, it's the mystery. Yeah, that it's it it's like, scarier that way without yeah, the explanation, right? The it's shape. like the Joker. I don't want to know why the Joker's a Joker. Just let him be the Joker. Well, yeah. you, you say that though, and I think like um, I'm more of a Jack Nicholson over. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, to an extent, I guess because you they give you, him an origin, but at the same time, like he's still that guy. It's oh no, he's like, a he's a psychotic. Guy. Yeah. The bat didn't really change him. He was always that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It just it just made him more that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but um, but I would say if they're gonna do a remake, I think there's someone I could see taking it on that could get capture the essence of it. And it, do you ever see Kung Fu Hustle? Oh, Stephen yes. Stephen Chow. Chow. I think he could get it because that character, that character was a, a screw up to the whole film. Oh yeah, yeah. I never. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and, and having an actual kung fu influence where we get to see some actual good fights. Oh yeah. Being like a little slapstick. That could be interesting. Well, then, um, so Jackie Chan is Ed Chen, then? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, you know I what? I go that. with it. Yeah. yeah. I no fighting. That. He doesn't fight. He just, he's just there. Yeah. He's like, right. Now, uh, my, my question, of course, the big question who's playing Low Pan? Oh. Because you had mentioned Jackie Chan, and I was thinking maybe him for that, but I like, I think I like the Ed Chen better. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you could age. Well, I mean, they obviously aged up James Wong at this yeah. po- in this film. Uh, James Hong, sorry. Stephen Victor Show himself could play could play Lil Pan. Yeah, you could do that. Because it's not a big, big character. He's still big enough, but not like st- now. BD Wong. We'll just go <laughs> <laughs> go back to it. Um, I mean, you know, now that I think about it, it's like, oh, BD Wong. Why did he get all the work and then, well, different times, like. Dennis Dune was never going to get a role in a. I mean, aside Main from a dream, yeah, not. Again, we needed Al Pacino to give him that speech. <laughs> Go to Hong Kong. Oh, and now that I think about directors, well, I guess Kill Bill kind of dismisses. Like, yeah, can Tarantino really shoot action that well? <laughs> Yeah, he he definitely that that whole last bit of Kill Bill Volume One, that last half yeah. hour was yeah. just the giant f u to people who said he couldn't do action. Right. Well, I I, I like more of his staging. Like I yeah. think Inglorious Bastards, like the beginning of the third, the final story, and how he's you know kind of breaking the fourth wall during the David Bowie song, <laughs> like. Yeah, you know, going you're like, okay, we just saw the set. All right. <laughs> um so uh, 
another great quote uh, the chinese have a lot of hells yes <laughs> yeah well, a hell of the upside down sinners i'll send you to the hell lies, yeah hell of bubbling oil mm-hmm. i think those are the only ones they mentioned in the movie well there would have to have been the one they met because the line is said pretty early though the like yeah. at the that oh there's a lot bunch of hell the chinese have yeah. a bunch of hells but um that leads me to the uh um this movie is basically like what egg shen says in his monologue uh as he as we're getting introduced to the character as he's waiting for you know um jack to finish up their you know rescue attempt and uh like he's just explaining you know, you t- the Chinese, you take away, you take this stuff from this place, you know, Confucianism, Buddhism, and you, you just take whatever you want and throw out that. And then when you see the wedding, the wedding sequence, it's like, okay, why the hell do we have neon in there? It's like, this is what Jack... This because is, it was 86. 1986, yeah. I, you say that, but it's like, yeah, I can see John Carpenter just doing that anyhow. Oh, you can't tell me that's not what his romper room looked like in '86. Well, I didn't. <laughs> that, that wasn't a set. That was that was the backyard, <laughs> man. Come on. Yeah, I think of that movie. I think of like the Last Dragon, and they all had that same feel. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. And um, but uh, let's see. Uh, Victor Wong. I mean, his egg shed yeah, can't be appreciated enough. Like. You know, you know, the last thing I really remember him from is Tremors. And... Uh, he did the Three Ninjas. Like, movie. Oh, yeah, he was the uncle or the grandfather. Grandfather of Three Ninjas. Yeah. yeah, that was just when I was getting um, getting associated, like, because I studied Taekwondo, but of course, everybody was saying karate. And it's like, no, <laughs> mine's Korean. And I guess <laughs> it was kind of like, yeah, Hollywood doesn't really take that into account. <laughs> oh, no. Like it's all karate to them. It's all the well, same. right. Well, at I mean, that time, at that time, it's well, all the same. 1986. I mean, 1984 with a uh, Karate Kid. Like I was at um, C2E2. I want to say 2019, and the uh, closing panel was a uh, Billy Zapka and uh, dang it, Ralph Macchio. Yes, thank you. It's like now you don't want to say the only character that. Besides for Vinny, uh, Vinny's cousin, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, Ralph Macchio, and they were talking about how the referee was the uh, instructor to train both um, Macchio and uh, Zafka. They kind of played it off like Zafka was actually trained in Taekwondo <laughs> and uh, Macchio in karate, so you could get that different style. Um, kind of wish the series would acknowledge that, but uh, <laughs> Cobra Kai, like, what was that? Taekwondo? That's Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, my problem with Three Ninjas was I was out after the basketball scene. Like, like this is bullshit. <laughs> See, I just, I just looked as like the basketball scene is. Hey, go get a snack. Go to the restroom. Come back. <laughs> And then we're going to get some good butt kicking. Uh, this isn't the rewatchables where they now have a category on that uh, ringer podcast, like the piss break scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, 
hit. Uh, let's see. Um, but speaking earlier with uh, Carpenter and you know, for me, they're hoping it was uh, Kurt Russell doing the, the low voice and the theme song. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a lot of directors. Like, I didn't know Eastwood did a bunch of his scores. Um, like, nobody thinks about that because it's not really that unique, I guess. Eastwood is just, uh, you know, this is what I want for this movie. And Eastwood doesn't make B movies, <laughs> essentially. No. Yeah. Um. So all I can really think of is Carpenter and Rodriguez. Yeah, they're they're definitely like the most prevalent or well known yeah. the guys who do that. Right. Just, they each had their own bands too, outside of just doing movies. Oh yeah. 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 So that's uh see. I did see a thing recently which surprised me because like you mentioned this, uh that Tom Cruise that doesn't do music for his own movies. No. But he did actually like Change something, and like I think the last Mission Impossible that he done, and like there was a the last like half hour or something. They were like, "We don't have to do with this. We're going to cut it all out." And he came into the editing room, and he's just like, "No, just change the music here. Rewrite the co- the composition here for this music, huh. and we can keep all this in." And that and that little thing fixed the whole movie. Apparently, hmm. that's interesting. I I, mean, I, I I I was not in a good place, though. So I guess I was just in an exhaust, exhausted place when I watched the last Mission Impossible. Like uh, it was a red box rent two for two dollar <laughs> night. Oh wow! Uh, pre the first movie and I watched it with my ex uh, was The Predator. <laughs> nice. Um, which is that is definitely so bad it's good. I think. Yeah. About the, Sh- the Shane Black one. Yes. Right. It, it, it we all had such high hopes for that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's just it. We didn't yeah. want that. We wanted, we wanted Shane Black, the guy who the guy who was Poncho, was he or? Uh, no, he played um, the one with the glasses and read the comic books. I can't yeah. remember his name yeah. off the top of my head, the, but no, Poncho didn't look like he belonged there. Right, no, he was like the nerdiest, <laughs> geekiest yeah. looking dude in that unit. I heard they like, wanted to they wanted to do rewrites on that movie, and he's just like, "No, <laughs> you cast me. I'm not doing anything else." <laughs> uh, yeah, no, just yeah. I mean, he, I don't know. I guess when you when you play the character who inspired the predator laugh at the end, yeah, you, you know, we should have known better. <laughs> Man, you got a big pussy. Man, you got a big pussy. Yeah, let's also yeah, let's bring that up. The, the the nerdiest, geekiest comic book reading dude with just the vulgarest jokes he could come up with to try to get his buddies to laugh. Yeah, which nowadays if you follow Twitter account, uh, there's Twitter, Twitter accounts of comic, you know, people deconstructing comic books. It's like, yeah, you're exactly what that carry. <laughs> like, yep. Um, I mean, you're the guy at the bar who uh, we let you just the joke about joke about it with my uh, my old wrestling uh, road buddy uh, Raul, and it's like, and I talked to um, to his tag team partner, and it's like, oh no, he's just the funny fat kid. <laughs> like he'll say the crudest stuff and keep going until somebody laughs and like makes it all worthwhile. It's like, oh. There's some things I like about cancel culture. Like we could tell that guy to <laughs> shut <laughs> off at their 
<laughs> after three 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 failed lines uh that's uh, now the, now i'm thinking though jesse ventura was so underutilized as an actor when you stop and think about it at least like he had the running like he had a good good run with predator the running man yeah but his characters are all kind of one note well yes but i I, but... I I mean that's the thing like yeah he had a good run until people realized you're gonna get the same dude every single i mean come on even in batman and robin he was the same character okay yeah i just that was my biggest problem with venom once i saw the glow sticks out and the when venom is venom let there be carnage and he's just you know like it wasn't good um but i mean it i don't know i like i like the venom eddie brock dynamic but the stories around it just (laughs) it it had really weird pacing oh yeah because like what when the movie was over, my wife and I were like, "Wait, that's all the movie there is?" Like, yeah, it was we a night, it was like, like yeah, from, yeah. We thought it was like forty-five minutes in. Yeah, um, no, it's a ninety-minute movie. I went to like that was the only reason I went to the cinema in twenty. <laughs> the criteria, huh? <laughs> yeah, twenty, twenty, twenty-one. Like, I think I went to two riff tracks, Fathom events, and uh, well, no, I did see Spiral, I guess, but. Otherwise, it was two Rift track of track, tracks events and Venom. Like the only reason we even saw that movie, we went to the drive-in to see it last year, and they were playing. Speaking of John Carpenter, they were playing the original Halloween. Oh, right after it. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, I want to watch that shit in the drive-in. That'd be cool as hell. Yeah. It's uh. So. Let's see. Well, I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh low on notes because you know this is a i mean stone cold classic so it's like we all know this movie by like, the back of our hand um the craziest thing i found when like re-watching it like i, I hadn't watched it with the commentary since since i bought the dvd back mm-hmm. like thousand whatever right and so i watched it with the commentary before watching it just with the sound and a it's funny the fact that they probably talk about the movie for like 15 minutes and oh. the, rest, the rest of the runtime is just the two of them bullshitting yeah yeah, yeah. But I, I thought it was interesting they brought the fact that the movie was like a $10 million funded movie. They had $3 million for promotions, and yet there was no promotions really put out there for this movie. It's like the, yeah, the three, three million they didn't really want to even push this thing. Yeah, $3 million in 86, that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, $10 million, you know, that's that's that was just your average movie budget. I, I mean, that's still in the high... Then. Yeah. Well, it's still on the high side for back then. I, yeah. I mean, I I hate Titanic just because it said, "Yeah, let's make a movie over a hundred million dollars." <laughs> That's one of many reasons it's not like that movie. Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's not it. I mean, it's it, it's. I I don't know. The only reason I really hated Titanic uh, when it was out, and I know it's like well, brilliantly directed movie. Um, I mean, the script is George Luke. Like, is that what inspired the Attack of the Clones script? What uh, James Cameron was doing in Titanic? Uh, I hope not. Well, I don't know. Like, at least we can blame somebody else besides George Lucas. George Lucas. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't remember Leonardo DiCaprio bitching about sand and everything. Uh, Leo, that's 
okay but that's the difference i don't know i now you're asking me like could i see like leo was about the right age for anakin skywalker maybe a couple years too old i think he was considered for it oh geez like i well that was a weird well i don't know that was a weird time like i guess he went for the after the beach it was kind of like eh. well like he was considered for it like colin hanks was considered for it well no oh gosh that would have been awful (laughs) and i like colin hanks (laughs) um but then again, like you can't. How do we excuse Natalie Portman, like one of the great, great actresses great of the actress. generation? Yeah. Which was something I was th- I was watching like a what culture video, and they were talking about legacy sequels, and it's like we need Matilda the professional. You know what? I always expected that movie to be made, though. And I yeah, I think, same I would have been same, for it. Yeah. Right. I don't know though. It's like you got to find somebody to make up the hole left by Gary Oldman. Well, I mean, that's one of Oldman's greatest performances. Yeah, it is. And I mean, that is saying something because not a lot of bad performances on his list. No, no, not when you stop and think about it. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe Tim Roth. Like, I, I really want to see an unhinged Tim Roth at some point. I think we got some stuff early before, you know, he got into back when the Brit pack came out. I, he, he, there, was teases, there was teases of unhinged in, um, uh, oh crap, uh, Tarantino movie. Uh, he played Mr. He was Mr. Pink. No, it was, he was Mr. Reservoir Mr. 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 Orange Re- and Reservoir yeah, Dogs. Yeah, Re- Re- Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, but the character was like, the character himself was an act. Like which 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 kind of like I said leads to the unhinged part of it. You know, he's he's doing the cop thing, he's yeah. undercover, da da da. Yeah, but uh I mean that explains more of like I mean his most unhinged moment is honestly telling uh Mr. White that he was the rat. Like no, I you could have though in a Tarantino film if, if that's if that can't be your most unhinged moment, then when is like yeah. how to do it with um Madsen cutting off the ear. Oh yeah, I mean he didn't have the spot. It, it wasn't his place <laughs> to. Yeah, uh, I mean all all we got is Tim Roth. I'm dying <laughs> for the majority of the film until he gets his chapter. <laughs> um. Oh, Steve Buscemi. I mean, he might be a little too old now for FBI agent, but. <laughs> corrupt FBI agent who's on in the field. Uh, Ed Norton. There it is. I was say, like, you also got uh, Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he's, he's Willem. Uh, no, he's such a chameleon. I think he right? could do it. I yeah. Or the, I, I uh, think he, of him in, in uh, Boondock Saints. Yeah. yeah. Which is about the only thing to really think of about Boondock Saints in any positive light. I mean, I love I love Boondock Saints. I'll watch it maybe uh, once a year, but it's, it's not for what it does. Yeah, but it's like, oh gosh, this is, you know, the uh, the like, oh gosh, the you know, homo. Not, you know, I can't really say like Willem Dafoe at least allows for the homophobia to to exist in that movie, but the over the top uh, male chauvinism and it's like 
And I think Troy Duffy actually listened, <laughs> believes in all that stuff, especially after the second one. Yeah. That second one, boy. Whew. Like, yeah, that's I that's one of those things like I don't I don't watch the sequel for that. I watched it once, I was like, I don't have to watch you again. I'll stick uh, to this part one yeah. only when it exists. I like that they gave Billy Connolly more to do, but um and I like Clifton Collin Jr. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, again, I had no problem with the cast. It was it's, just what the script is. Yeah. Yeah. So but you know, we don't have to worry about another Troy Duffy movie. <laughs> Like, <laughs> um so that's uh i don't know we're kind of running short and like auteurs it kind of feels like like everybody gets absorbed into the uh marvel machine by the end of it all that's what it feels like yeah yeah i mean um what was uh, it's deborah chow who directed um nomad land won the best picture and then she does the eternals yeah yeah it's like like, and then even Sam Raimi. I mean, so he did Spider Man before that too. So it's like he, yeah, superhero films, right? But it's like the the superhero movie of Sam Raimi's is Dark Man. But that's still him. That's that's definitely him doing his thing. Yeah. But there there goes uh, Liam Neeson as the corrupt agent. Like that that's guy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that guy doesn't quit. <laughs> like, he's seventy years old and still doing action movies. He doesn't I, have I, have the Stallone I, physique to justify it. Well, he doesn't do action. That's why he's in the movie, but he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's even <laughs> said he's going to like start chilling out on the action stuff because he's like, guys, I'm in my seventies. <laughs> move on. Yeah. Oh, Jim Carrey come back. He could probably do a an agent type role i wouldn't be opposed to it i mean yeah. I, I think that he doesn't get enough credit for some of the serious stuff he can bring to a film right uh, like i look back at 23 it wasn't the a best a great movie no no it's, i like everything he did in that film i thought he was really good yeah no it's it's just a there's nothing to the script really like you can you're you having on him yeah you're Oh, I mean, which is kind of sad because you had Virginia Madsen, who was kind of having a renaissance at that time after Sideways. Um, but it's like now if Carrie, it's like, yeah, if you don't have a story behind it, it's like because by you know the maybe even a third way through the movie, you're too busy playing twenty three games on your own than to actually <laughs> pay attention to the movie. So bad gimmick i think big one on that one so yeah so i mean we addressed remakes we got um got all the best quotes in there i think um i think there's the fact that this this movie covers so many genres oh yeah no well one it's a based on a western script yeah yeah and you got like the you got the mystery the mysticism yeah know, is no it kind of kind of makes me further hate uh shanghai noon there are so oh. many reasons to hate shanghai noon <laughs> yeah yeah it's, well it's i like jackie chan I, I can't i can't fully get behind that movie <laughs> no no there's moments but that's it yeah i mean at least it was better than shanghai nights i don't know by that point it's like it's kind of like my opinion on uh true actual true story 
at a wrestling show in Chicago and uh, I don't know, may have inadvertently uh, cock-blocked Billy Corgan uh, from Scarlet Bordeaux. She's talking her up and I somehow slip into the conversation. We get into an argument over hangover versus hangover two. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, I'm saying I didn't really like the hangover. I thought it was just all juvenile and then like hangover two. Okay. You know, you took it to the next level. Like that's what I, you did every, like my mom loved the hangover. Hated hangover two Cause well, come on. <laughs> it was disgusting. Well, where else are you going to go with that? Yeah, you just got to wrap up everything you already did. Right. So all those kind of movies and you make sequels. Right. But as, as, as you're saying, as long as you, if you get that kind of re- response, though, I think you've nailed it. And then, but Todd, Vil- Todd Phillips kind of at, I don't know what to say about him, honestly. I mean, Joker is worth a watch just for Joaquin Phoenix. But is it really anything else to that movie? I, I'm not for it, honestly. Yeah, I, it's a weird thing because I like every everyone that's in it. Oh yeah, no, well, I just, mean, get ready because like, you're, you're getting a musical movie. sequel with Lady Gaga is Harley Quinn, baby. <laughs> I I th- I'm I think that's the only way. Again, that's the only way you can take it, though. Like the mo- like there shouldn't be a sequel. I think we can all agree upon that. But I, I, I kind of have this thing where, like, it's also just hard having these villain movies. That, yeah. That rely on the superhero. Like, you can't, in my, my opinion, you can't have Venom without Spider Man. You can't have right. Joker without Batman. They, they, there's a reason they complete each other. Like, they, they make one another. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, I mean, well, you get that in the boys, like, especially the third season where it is like Homelander and Butcher are just the, you know, the yin well, to the yang. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, well, I mean, okay. Well, Butcher's not a hateful person. He's just an asshole. <laughs> yeah. And he was made that way more. Yeah. By, not just because his dad, but everything that happened with. With Homelander. Yeah. Yeah. If Homelander didn't screw up his life, he may have been a better person. <laughs> right. He might've had a kid. <laughs> yeah. And well, that'll be interesting. The fourth season, because I figure you got to conclude. I mean, if you got to, you got to. You got a clock on a butcher's expiration date now. Yeah, and now they're bringing in uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes. Oh no, they they always find a way to draw you in for the like they didn't really do anything too big for the second season, at least in casting. But no, but then it's like the first season's so good, you want to see what happens next. And after the second season, it's like okay, now let's you know make sure people keep coming back, like Jensen Eccles. Is Soldier Boy alone just for the entire uh, doing the rap to uh, Rapture on Solid Gold? Oh, that was so good! Yeah. So, as I say, I got the movie in my peripheral. That's why I'm still bullshitting. Yeah, <laughs> like, eh, we're not. Where is we're it not right now. What scene are we on? Uh, they are just. Um, they are just entering entering the wedding. Ah. Uh. So in the climax, right? I guess like, that scene right there. So in that moment, they're they're gonna have the battle, and you'll have uh, Wang versus Rain. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember being a kid and watching that scene, and I thought it was so cool how it, it felt like I was watching a live action anime because you had like yeah, lines well, in the that's background. yeah, well, that, the, bl- that, the blurry background. Yeah, uh, that you know 
doing too much in the time it would take to jump from here to here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's kind of the, I guess it's really an homage to pre, pre, um, uh, who is the, um, stunt coordinator slash director, um, Wun Ping. I mean, the guy who really created Wirefu. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, Hong Kong before that was just basically throw Jackie Chan off some shit. <laughs> and even he had some wire work, but never to that effect. Never yeah. flying around. Right. So it's like. Yeah, it was more of a safety wire to keep him from completely jumping over this thing. Yeah, un- unless it was. Uh, and, like here or there. Yeah, unless it was, uh, you know, just two guys going at it, you know, with with their awesome kung fu you know it was very much the same kind of shots that carpenter does in this movie like again the behind the back of who's ever gonna get punched in the face just like uh enter the dragon the first time you really get to see um the uh villain get you know punched (laughs) you just like you almost it's almost like and so you just knock the head off a dummy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh shoot okay I'm trying to think uh, on a black mask yeah you're right though Wu Ping Yen there's the yeah. one across the tiger hidden dragon yeah yeah exactly um, but it's kind of fun now that it's now in action movies though that we're getting to the like it's almost full circle the Hong Kong influence like like this is like like if you didn't have great martial art artists in your Hong Kong movie, it was pretty much, you know, frame the shot to make the aftermath look cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, especially with the guy who they break the ankle of early in the uh, first fight. Yes. Yeah. Um, or the guy who just had smushed between two buildings. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then it's like now we got to the point where we're back to no, just have awesome people fighting each other, like with John Wick, Atomic Blonde to a lesser extent, <laughs> like up close, personal. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know now. Now I'm just thinking, oh, come on, 2023, get around here. I want to see <laughs> John Wick four. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of surprised with that that whole film series. Like, it's it's one of those things I wouldn't have expected to last as long as it has, and actually get kind of oh, better with. Yeah, each one. well, they they created a great universe that we wanted to see. Like, and and they did such a good job with the first one, kind of like not really letting you know what was going on with the movie and the advertising. Yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden you watch this thing and like, okay, I'm watching the beginning of a rom com. <laughs> and then next thing I know, he okay, he's beating up his garage floor. Oh shit, everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a uh, oh, and the sense of humor in it, which reminds me again about incompetent how incompetent um, Jack Burton is. The entire you know, he's about to throw his knife at Lopan, uh, Lopan during the um. Oh here! Oh, the video game sequence. Did I miss it already? Oh yes, when they're they're, they're fighting and Lopan's doing his little <laughs> yeah, yeah, with his with his coke nail. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, ma- the magical Atari. I always yeah, call that. 
My, my mom called this the Game Boy moment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the green guy, you be the purple guy, and but, here we go. Uh, but before that all set up, you had the guy in the thick armor go and you know stop Burton from throwing the knife. Yeah. And, and he's just stuck there. But, yeah, he just, <laughs> yeah, he just stuck with you know two hundred some pounds of humanity and armor. Yeah, yeah it's just Oh, peasant magic. <laughs> and Jack's response to it is so good, too, because like he's had so many moments leading up into this. Yeah. Like he wants to do something, and it just goes wrong. And he's just mm. like, oh, come on! <laughs> well, you know, even, even here in a few moments, when he will go after Lopan, he, he'll throw the knife, and Lopan doesn't even do anything classy. Like, he yeah. barely moved his yeah, head he, like a he quarter totally of an missed inch. the throw. Yeah, he barely moves the, the, the dodge it. Like, come on. Which is what I love is that the the his his love interest quote unquote Kim Cattrall's on the side, yeah. Gracie Law. She's looking at him like, come on, dude. Really? Yeah, really. And at the end, she still wants to be with him. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> she sees him at his worst. Yeah, she sees him as a screw up. He does like he does very little of like actual benefit to the story. And then like yeah. She's looking at him like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread yeah. or Betty White. <laughs> well, Wang Wang is married now, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So, so I she mean, can't go after him, right? <laughs> and uh, Kim Cattrall's buddy, the reporter Margot, she like that Those Eddie hooks up guy. with Eddie, so, yeah, yeah. So really, yeah, like Gracie Law's options were Jack Burton or Egg Shen. Shen. Yo, Egg Shen got money though. Yeah, I'm ready to say, yeah, he owns that whole block now. Yeah. Very rich man. Yeah. Uh, and he, he seems like he has toys, so that could help. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Dude's an entrepreneur, hard worker. You know, yeah. he's got the tour, he's got the bus. I mean, you know, if, it's yeah. a sugar, if it's a sugar daddy situation, it's a sugar daddy situation. Oh, yeah. Egg Ken's going to win that every time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, can't knock him. Uh, oh, so. After watching this, it's kind of like I wanted, I've been meaning to revisit Masters of the Universe primarily just like, there's a part of me like, I was a He-Man kid growing up, we all were. This is like, I think the first movie I left, like that's not what I expected. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's... like, I wanted to apologize to my dad for him dragging, you know, having to take (laughs) us to that movie. Um, but it's like I see the orange guy, the monster, who just randomly shows up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's like beast man. Right. Beast exactly. Beast it's man. like yeah. did they? It, you know, uh, Masters of the Universe is a, a canon movie. It's like did they just steal again? Did they just steal the uh, the suit for the beast man that they waste in about ten minutes? <laughs> Um, which again goes back to they live like I opened the second part of the uh, uh, conversation with Gregory Carl with him saying is that a freaking EKG yeah I remember hearing that the PKE meter yeah <laughs> let's see but they, they balance the one ripoff monster with like the, the sentinel with like all the eyes and stuff yeah that you can't. I mean that that was an acid trip, Green or something. Oh, right there to come up yeah. with that. Thing. 
And then, it, then he's licking his wounds with his with tongue. The eyeball which, yeah. 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 I mean, there's a. I, I don't know. Now it's like I look back at Courtney Cox. Was that she was the lead in? in Masters, yeah, in Masters. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gee. <laughs> I think she did that right after the uh, Springsteen uh, video. video. Well, I think Family Ties. Yeah, probably all around the same time. Yeah. Like, I think uh, Dancing in the Dark was 84. Yeah, it had to, had to have been in the midst of family ties because, of course, they couldn't get... Uh, that was the entire reason why uh, Michael J. Fox was not immediately uh, Marty McFly. Yeah. yeah. It's conflict with... Uh... Yeah. With family ties. like, And that's that's such a weird time. We're not going to get that anymore. <laughs> thankfully but like you know harrison ford was not supposed to be indiana jones that was supposed to be tom Selleck. tom Selleck, magnum pi yeah yeah and never mind you know pierce brosnan wasn't james bond till he was probably too old to be james bond (laughs) Uh, i'm a i I like i like timothy dalton though i thought he was a great james bond oh Oh, yeah yeah he's he's definitely underappreciated i i didn't even mind roger moore um yeah i kind of give he's hit and miss but yeah yeah I'll take Roger more over pierce brosnan i'd say yeah I, i'd do that um yeah more is uh like brosnan had golden eye and that's just a fun action yeah. movie which kind of should have told us right there and this ain't james bond anymore what well, made that good though like, i, I want to say the same director who did uh, the first dalton bond did golden eye yeah casino royale so right, it's like, it's like a go-to Bond director. Yeah, and then we had a writer's strike, and it almost killed the Craig series. Yeah, yes. Man, there's there's some great direction in uh, uh, Quantum of Solace, but I mean, you could tell they didn't have a script. No. Literally, they did not have a script. <laughs> um, there's some bad pacing in the movie right there too. Yeah, well, that, and I swear, half the direction for that movie was. Be British. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, this is the first great English bond you have because yeah. Connery was uh is Scottish. Yeah. Uh Lazenby Australian. Yeah. Brosnan Irish. Uh Timothy Dalton you'd say English, but he's was born in Wales. Yeah, he's Welsh. And then more uh, more was English, but he was way too old to be Bond, actually, yeah, when he was Bond. Like, yeah, that's before he was like, "Oh my God, I'm the same age as Tanya Roberts' mother." When he's shooting the View to Kill, which I don't know, I really want to like a View to the Kill just because of Christopher Walken. I mean, Grace Jones is great in it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Grace Jones. Yeah, my like, I mean. I'm a firm fan of Conan the Destroyer. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a sloppy movie you, all the think, time. Do you think she knows she was in that movie? <laughs> what, Grace Jones? Yeah. Because I, I, I imagine that's just how Grace Jones be on a Thursday. <laughs> they did a, um, a sketch on a living color. Um, it was uh, Rocky Six. And the opponent was Grace Jones. I so, would watch that movie. <laughs> so yeah. Kim Kim Wayans is Grace Jones. Jim Carrey is 
And it's basically, you know, Grace Jones is just going to beat the shit out of you so she can go and drag you home like a cave yeah. person, <laughs> which is how it ends. Like, but you have Keenan is Rocky, you're not ready for this fight. I mean, we've done everything we possibly can. I've come back from the dead <laughs> to coach you. <laughs> I'm not afraid of no man. <laughs> you're not dealing with a man. You're dealing with a machine. Dance to the rhythm. <laughs> oh, Honestly, that's that is the one thing. Now that I think about it, the movie is this movie is missing. We don't have a black character. No, I don't. You, like you, maybe during that opening Chinatown montage, you might see something. Yeah, there is nobody. Yeah, there's no one with a line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Okay, you go back. Well, I guess there wasn't any black people in um, none, none come to mind in um, uh, freaking uh, Prince of Darkness. I think there is. It's just nothing like I'm sticking out. Yeah, I mean, when, yeah. when Keith David is your go-to black guy, <laughs> I mean, because I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. No, he, no, he no, no. All those no, we movies. we had that on the uh, They Live movie, uh, They Live podcast. It's like, gosh, Keith David, like, what Gargoyles is his primary starring role? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I can't think of anything where he's the main guy. Yeah, I know he. I know he came up in the theater scene, but it's like, I mean, I don't think he. That and voicing Spawn in the uh, the cartoon again, cartoon, voice acting, voice acting, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, he's definitely underutilized. You probably well, I don't know if anything could have saved the Spawn live action movie, but better editing, possibly better special effects. Because yeah. Michael better J. Scratch. talks about that, the fact that the, the movie they shot is not the movie that was edited. Yeah. I mean, Martin Sheen's, I mean, and that's just sad. Michael J. White does his best because he's still pretty, like, nobody ever really coached Michael J. White into becoming an actor. No. He he went from kickboxing to Toxic Avenger 2. And, like... Man, it's one of the guys in that movie. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then it's, like, like, his first, first thing I really saw him in was uh, Universal Soldier The Return. Yeah, that was oh so bad. Uh, that that's almost that's that's a movie meant for Mystery Science Theater three thousand bad. I I I would totally watch that episode. Yeah, because there's things I want to like about like that's 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 the most painful kind of movie is the ones that you, there's things you want to like about it. Yeah, like especially like for him, he's a good martial artist. For like for yeah him. yeah, I and, mean you could be, you could could believe a fight between him and Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, I have not seen any, well, no, I've seen all the Van Damme sequels or reboots of Universal Soldier. Those are all right, but, um, I think close to the first one. No, it doesn't have the humor. Like they, they're very gritty and like, no, half the fun was again, person thrown into a new time. Yeah. And, and you know, it's hard to dislike a movie with Tiny Lister in it. Well, of course. Yeah. He's the only part that makes No Holds Barred somewhat watchable. <laughs> yes. 
Well, Kurt Fuller going all left. Kurt Fuller gets an honorable mention. He gets an honorable mention. Yeah. I used to watch that movie just for one scene and one scene alone. Just that moment in the garage where he's like, what's that smell? Dookie. Dookie. I hate Dookie. (laughs) Like, I do have a... uh, blog called Rip'em System so it's a play I'm a big KMFDM fan one of their songs is Rip Rip the System and of course your Rip Thomas's uh, catchphrase is Rip'em so and that's basically uh, my breakdown of how um, uh, No Holds Barred is Vince McMahon's mind comp it explains oh. everything he wants to do in wrestling oh, I- like that's smacking deep. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, if I could kill people in the ring. <laughs> oh, we could throw a rape in here. <laughs> I mean, some of that stuff happened. <laughs> um, well, he did try to kill himself. <laughs> um and they didn't let the storyline about him implying that he was Stephanie's child's father go through. Yeah, so, like if you hear if you hear how hard he pushed for that, oh, I like it. It, it gives off. I'm going to say this as politely as I can. Cheeto skin president vibes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's one of the hush payments he's dealing with. It wasn't a hush payment; it's a tax issue. Like he personally paid Donald Trump for the, well, donated to the Trump Foundation for his all his work back for wrestlemania 23 i'd like to say somewhere in there and it's like no that's that was a business expense it should have been claimed there so there's nine million there then you still have the other 19 million which were hush payments that number goes up every day too yeah um but i did see that he went to uh celebrated his birthday with john cena and now he's like, well, I mean, and he had a woman on his arm who wasn't his yeah. wife. <laughs> At least he's embracing that. I mean, live your truth, man. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. So we got the end credits going. So I guess, it, you know, I still got some AEW to watch from last night. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't watched that yet either. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I did the, uh, you know, tried the it, it, the what inspired a wellness call from my therapist. <laughs> like, nice. I had a, yeah, I well, I said I had a like I was in a um, spot where it's like, you know, it's not really depression. I'm just really tired of all this stuff. Like, <laughs> maybe you know, it's it's life's a video game. It's time to put something else in the cartridge. What's what's the afterlife yeah. like? And it's like, and then I. What, like I was saying, oh, I'm gonna go to a goth night at at a bar at a bar in Urbana, and it's like, um, yeah. So if I can make it through tonight, meaning like, okay, I'm gonna go and then go to work at seven thirty in the morning, <laughs> was what I meant. It's like, no, that's that's quite the hyperbole there. Right. All right. Well, no, I understand. I, I gotta gotta filter, I suppose. But <laughs> so. Um, but well, thank you very much for coming on, George. Um, so you have not a strong uh, start the podcast. Um, ah, shoot! I should have played the gimmick of you know, 
because like i was trying to catch back like i was listening somehow my itunes went and like i was listening to the house of dragons episode and then it like oh you you want to listen to the predator episode the prey episode i should have done the gimmick where um you know one host claims to be this the other host claims to be that you know i guess i could have i could i guess you know i guess i'd be egg shen maybe i don't know we'll fix it in post okay (laughs) right (laughs) all right so thanks george for coming on uh not a strong not a strong uh, start podcast just 30 minutes fun love guys talking about whatever's out there right now uh and of course we got uh andrew td with uh couchman bakes on youtube and on, on twitter on twitter oh well Catherine yeah, bakes on twitter which is um the companion yeah. twitter to my tiktok videos baking okay. while bake. okay baking while bake all right and i remember you were the tr- you know had quite the uh, impressive tiktok numbers what was the I, i'm just shy of thirty six thousand right now all right oh. yeah like a... it, no 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 thought no process i just do dumb videos and some people like them mm-hmm. no they're fun videos they're just like i never had a tiktok until well i downloaded tiktok because you know some guy who goes by 45 said you can't have it <laughs> so but never watch any videos until uh uh grace with the presence of andrew <laughs> and you can follow the you can follow my uh, me on twitter at cat bus russ that's at c-a-t-b-u-s-r-u-s-s if you want to be on the podcast as they say just throw a movie at me i'll figure a way to bend the rules that will focus on it and call it something else obviously um you can send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com, R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com, but preferably just give me a movie, a theme, a director, actor, just focus on sub 100 minute material and we'll have a slice of fried gold as a, yeah, fried gold as they said in Shaun of the Dead, which the Cornetta trilogy does qualify. Shaun of the Dead qualifies and of course you can't talk about one movie without the other two. So... All right. Uh, as always, I tri- pay honor honor to Sasha Hardin, uh, my best friend who passed uh, coming up on eighteen years. But you know, gotta impress her. So <laughs> still pushing on. And thanks for that. And thanks for touching uh, so many lives you touched. And yeah, we'll just save it for the David Tennant <laughs> soundbite to drop at the end. Uh, thanks again for all uh, for coming on, making the time to be on the Ninety for Chill the podcast. And now for the robot voice. Can I hear a wahoo?